right, how is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founder, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very, very excited to be talking to Emily Wong, who is the creator of Canary. Emily, welcome to the show. How is it going? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I am very excited to learn more about what you're working on. When I first discovered it in doing research, I I was very intrigued. So, I mean, with that, let's just dive right into it. Can you please explain what you're working on, you know, with Canary? Sure. So Canary is a platform to help monitor chronic respiratory illnesses just using the sound of your voice. And eventually we want to take all of the data that we collect from this platform and put it into a model such that we can potentially classify respiratory illnesses on the sound of, based on your sound of the cough and the voice as well, um, which is very exciting for us. So this is pretty, it, it seems pretty revolutionary that you can detect some, uh, well, let's actually, let's actually, let me ask you a couple more questions to get better understanding. So is the way that it works is, is you can you you record someone's voice and if you hear something in their voice you can detect if they have something going on with their heart or their their lungs or can you kind of dive a little deeper into how it works sure absolutely so um the the sound that we're mostly focused on is the sound of a cough actually and while a cough may seem very benign to a very healthy person it's something that we get once in a while when we have a cold or upper respiratory infection Um, The sound of a cough, um, the sound wave itself can provide a lot of information about um, your general upper respiratory health. Um, There are certain characteristics of a sound wave of a cough that are potentially indicative of certain illnesses, as well as your overall health, whether we can tell, especially if you have a respiratory illness, whether you are getting better over time or if you're getting worse over time. Um, And it's very cool um, just taking, just using technologies like signal processing and machine learning, which are basic um, processes to analyze sound. So this is super interesting. I want to dive into the technology side of it and also a little bit of your background. Let's actually start with that. So this is a very unique uh, product in company targeting something that's really important. How did you get this idea and how did you get kind of roped into starting this company? Absolutely. Um, Our story actually starts um, before, around this time last year, I um, had a friend who recently passed away from lung cancer um, around the age of 22. And this is something that really, um, really affected me personally because it made me realize um, how young I was and sort of how, um, how much time I had been sort of wasting on things I didn't think were necessarily um, important. And I rather wanted to do something to further medicine and to further research. Um, So I actually entered a hackathon. It was the MIT Mount Sinai Grand Health Hackathon in November, 2018. Um, And the theme of the hackathon was reimagining lung cancer, thinking about different ways we could potentially diagnose lung cancer or potentially monitoring lung cancer. Um, And I met my team here. I met a machine learning scientist, his name is Ray. I met um, Alexandra, she's um, a regulations officer at Memorial Sloan Kettering. And then I met Chi Chi, um, who is now our chief of product. And she's worked for years in designing at eBay, Under Armour, and Disney. 
And with our team, we came up with this idea where um, we wanted to be able to classify lung cancer just through um, the sound of a cough, which is one of the symptoms of lung cancer. And across a variety of respiratory illnesses, we eventually discovered for pneumonia, for COPD, for asthma, um, there's potential and there has been preliminary research on sort of ways to classify um, illnesses based on cough. Um, and so that's, that's our moonshot right now. We are hoping to eventually um, classify different respiratory illnesses just based on cough. But to get the data for that right now, we're monitoring people who currently have respiratory illnesses um, for improvements or deteriorations in their health. So um, it's been quite a journey. Um, they, they say don't start a company with people you don't know, but really um, we worked so well together over the course of the hackathon that we stuck together. And um, I walked out with a company from 72 hours of working with people. Wow, what a what a story. That's awesome. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear about what are some of the skill sets needed to to build this product? And, and if you don't mind me asking, this might be a very obvious, obvious question, um, but I'm not sure. What actually is the product? Is it a is it a device that someone can cough into? Is it literally just something that that analyzes a sound bite of someone coughing? Can you kind of go into literally what is the, the product or is it just software? Absolutely, that's a great question. Um, actually, our product currently is a software that we um, adjust to different partner companies that we work with. Um, originally, we were pushing sort of an app of our own and a device of our own out to um, consumers and to physicians and to patients. But one sort of iteration that we realized is that um, a lot of respiratory health companies, companies like nebulizer companies, which um, uh, nebulizers are um, like inhalers kind of that distribute medicine to people with asthma or people with COPD to help monitor their illness or um, institutions even like um, Aetna and institutions like um, uh, other lung cancer and lung, um, and lung companies um, have found use cases for our software. They want to sort of implement our software into their existing technology. So in, in a sort of way, we became less of like a direct patient and physician company into sort of a B2B software company. So that's sort of the product right now. It's not actually something physical. That makes sense. I feel like that that is honestly very good for unit economics of the company um, if it's just software. Uh, so I'm, a, I'm guessing that this uh, takes a lot of AI technology to to detect what type of uh, cough determines, you know, kind of something going on in a body. Can you dive into, if you can, like how, like what does that technology look like and how, do, if you can, if you could not look like, but how does it work and how does it think if you can go into that? Um, if not, that's totally cool, but I've always been intrigued with AI and how it works, especially with this use case. Oh, absolutely. I can go into it very generally. Um, but in this case, it's sort of a, in machine learning, we have different types of models, and one of them um, that we use for um, poor canary is the classification model, where we can um, sort of find different, um, I, I like to think of it as sort of um, little grapes on a, on a grapevine. So you have a bunch of grapes, but each individual grape is very um, distinct, and so I like to think of each of these individual grapes as different illnesses. And so we have this huge bunch of grapes of different illnesses, but each grape is a different illness and we can, and that's how we 
separate and classify each of these illnesses. And so we take um, we take the sound wave of of a cough, which is about two seconds, and from that we um, uh, take and we turn this sound wave into an image of the sound wave called the spectrogram. And from this image, we um, put it into the classification model, sort of this black box, and then it comes out sort of um, turning it into a bunch of grapes, uh, turning it into a single grape, actually, within this bunch of grapes. And so there are characteristics of the sound wave, such as um, frequencies, such as um, certain amplitudes that are indicative of certain illnesses. So that's, that's sort of the classification model that we use for the future. That's fascinating, uh, that, that, that kind of stuff. I really don't understand super well because I, I don't have a technical mind, but the fact that, that you're able to build technology that is able to kind of use those methods to accomplish the task that you're accomplishing is incredible. And also, you know, I'm not the only one, obviously, that thinks it's interesting. You, you've been, you know, a lot of people have, have seen this and, and been intrigued, including the, the Teal Fellowship, uh, I'd love to hear um, a little about the experience, uh, just whatever you want to share about the Teal Fellowship and being a Teal Fellow, as I don't think I've ever actually talked to someone who's gone through the, the program or gone through the fellowship. Do you mind sharing what it was like and, and uh, um, just anything you want to share in regards to the Teal Fellowship? Sure, absolutely. The Teal Fellowship is a really great opportunity for me. Um, I, I really believe completely in the mission of the fellowship and that you don't have to go through the expensive process of attending college to um, gain value in the world and to start a business and to be constantly learning. And sometimes college itself can be an impediment to um, sort of the exploration and the time and the creativity that um, running a business requires. Um, so I was actually attending Cornell for two and a half years when um, I was fortunate enough to receive the fellowship. And I thought I saw it as sort of a golden ticket for me. It was the opportunity to um, take this idea that I had begun building and um, really work on it full time with a great team and um, creating a lot of traction and a lot of partnerships and meeting a lot of people who have been super inspiring. And the fellowship itself is super, um, super supportive. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but um, even though this fellowship gets a lot of press and people consider it very prestigious, actually, the people that I've met are so, so very humble. Even people running um, companies that are worth billion, billions of dollars, I can talk to um, any of them anytime, um, which has been really, really great um, as a founder, which can be, can be very lonely. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. I, I think one of the things that is most valuable, valuable about the Teal Fellowship too is that it keeps impressive young people on the path and it, sh it's, it, got, it almost gives a little validation of, no, you're, what you're doing is, is good and you should keep doing it. And here's some money and time and resources so you can keep doing it. So I find a lot of people stop working on something or never start just because they don't, they don't even think that they don't get any, any like zero external validation. And that's kind of like what Y Combinator does as well. So do, do you think that the Teal Fellowship kind of helps in that regard? Or, uh, and then I guess in addition to that, a second question I have um, just as a as a curious question, is did you have any interaction with Peter Thiel? I'm curious if so, you know, what was he like? And if not, uh, then that's that's totally fine. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Um, a digital fellowship is um, a great source of validation. I've, we, um, as a company, were very young when we were accepted, about six months old. But with the fellowship, we've been really able to accelerate our process through um, press opportunities, as well as a lot of investors have reached out to us. Um, so that's been very helpful in that regard, um, as well as, you know, the internal support from, from the other fellows and from the fellowship team. Um, and I, uh, Peter Thiel has been very busy, actually. So we've only had one opportunity as a group of fellows to meet with him. We had a retreat in the middle of October, and he was kind enough to attend and um, answer questions from the whole group and have a little bit of a discussion after. So that was really, really rewarding to be able to pick his brain from everything in politics to um, his uh, companies that he's built to his background, which is which is really great. The network that the Teal Fellowship provides is really, really invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's I, I can kind of relate to uh, to uh, like the I can kind of relate to that that question of hey, like what's Peter like? Because I often get the same thing with with Jason Calacanis, and I think that what I have learned is that you know something can seem super out of reach until you're in it, like the Teal Fellowship, right? And then once you're in it, it seems like it seems like more casual, but there's always kind of another stage or level. Like once you get into that, then what's next? And then what's after that? Then what's after that? Which I think is kind of the, the great thing about entrepreneurship. There's always another uh, another league that you try to get to be a part of, which I think is interesting. Absolutely. That's, that's a very funny statement, actually. Um, uh, there's a little bit of a story to my sentiment around that as well. At the oh, fellowship, we have an opportunity, yeah, to share a little bit about um, sort of anything you want, a 10-minute presentation, it could be anything from some fellows presented about um, lock picking, um, some fellows presented about, you know, their businesses and their experiences they've had. And one thing that I wanted to share with the group was sort of um, an imposter syndrome that I felt upon receiving the fellowship. Um, I, you're, you're kind of right in that it felt like another league. It felt like something um, that was previously unattainable for me. And I was always very surprised along um, each aspect of the of the recruitment process into the fellowship, um, getting getting into the next you know next round of interviews, next um, round of meetings was always very surprising for me. So, um, getting feedback from the fellowship team saying they don't really make mistakes when they try to invest a hundred thousand dollars into into um, someone they believe in um, was really a really just um, very personal and very. Um, very nice thing to hear, especially from, you know, in entrepreneurship, we experience a lot of doubt every day and we're always striving for more and more. So I'm really grateful for, for this opportunity. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing how far you go with, with, with it and just your company. And I want to go back, go back to that with Canary. Uh, you know, you're, you're solving a, a, a huge problem uh, in that you're, it, it's it's about lives. It's about saving lives. And I'm kind of curious, where do you see your company going in the next, let's say next decade? If you have to paint a little bit of a vision for it from where it is now, I'd love to, love to see that story. Oh, absolutely. Um, at Canary, we're mostly focused on respiratory health right now. Um, it's a great little niche um, that's very relevant and very closely tied to, to sounds of coughs and sounds from voices. 
but eventually we realize um, we can expand the suite of illnesses that we can sort of monitor and eventually detect. Um, any voice affecting illnesses like neurological Ill illnesses from stroke and Parkinson's to uh, more infectious diseases like, um, uh, like strep throat or the common cold, and even um, mental illnesses like depression um, and anxiety all have sort of affect the voice or affect speech patterns and the like. So the suite of illnesses that we'll eventually be able to um, tackle will increase as well. And um, hopefully we're, we're um, slowly building our um, realm of partnerships. But the more partners that we have in terms of research and in terms of businesses will allow us to um, collect more data to um, expand into sort of a smoke detector for respiratory health. That's really the 10-year vision we want to um, you know, we have smoke detectors in our house that sort of um, monitor for fires and other disasters. But really, um, uh, I'm not quite sure, you know, everyone has Google Home, so why not sort of a smart device or a really a smoke detector just for, you know, analyzing your voice and using sonar maybe to analyze um, your heart rate or your movements. And um, all of that information can be sent to your doctor and you can brought in, be brought in even before you know you're beginning to get sick. And that's really the future. And I see that happening um, in the next 10 years. That's awesome. And it makes me think that, uh, would you say that you're playing in the space of longevity uh, and uh, and I, well, I, yeah, well, are you in longevity? And if not, what kind of space would you say that Canary is a part of, um, kind of what industry is it a part of? Great question. Um, there's a lot of, we're generally in the healthcare space, but underneath that, um, I think we consider ourselves a digital health company. Um, we're mostly technology focused, but, and we're mostly, you know, being able to be hosted on phones or hosted on computers as software. Um, but we have a health focus and the digital health space is quickly on the rise, especially with the, um, there are um, a lot of great companies popping up that are doing all sorts of analytics from CT scans to x-rays to um, voice for depression and anxiety and the like. And um, the, it's really powerful to um, be able to leverage smartphones and Apple watches and the like for um, digital health in the future. Um, and it's really exciting, especially for me to, to see future trends in sort of Apple democratizing health and research. Um, so, so yep, digital health, I think, really is um, the future. Got it. Well, it's an important space to be in, for sure, because, as, as I said, it does have to do with, with kind of our lives and, and our health, which, which is awesome. I am kind of curious to hear about when you're not working or thinking about Canary, uh, which I'm sure isn't that often. I'm sure you're thinking about it a lot, but when you do get some time to take your mind off of it, um, would you be open to sharing what you're thinking about, whether it's problems in the world, other companies that you think are cool, technology waves that are coming upon us? I would just love to get a peek into your brain uh, when you're not thinking about Canary. Absolutely, that's a great question. I think um, the most important thing I've recently been thinking about are the quality of relationships that I have in my life and sort of um, reprioritizing um, things in my life. Um, the great thing about receiving the Teal Fellowship is that I've gotten a lot of, a um, lot more time actually to not only work on my startup, but to really 
um, develop myself more as a person. Um, before the fellowship, I was really geared towards um, achieving and um, moving towards the next big thing and um, becoming a better, better person on um, in terms of my company and in terms of um, maybe um, achievements and CV and things and the like. And I thought that would bring me happiness. Um, but rather, um, something that I've learned over the course of time is that the quality of relationships you have is very important. So I reprioritized into spending more time with family and spending night, more time with friends um, and really getting um, getting improvements on my quality of life. So that's been really good. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes people think, forget about that when they're working on companies and it's just, it, it, it's important. Uh, I, I'm kind of right. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, that's exactly. It. I think that's why I run a healthcare company as well. I think um, there's a lot of great industries, um, and people are doing a lot of great work in like the food space and um, and other spaces. But for me, um, healthcare and you know your the health of well and well-being of yourself and your family is extremely important. So um, that's really the focus for for me, and for um, that's why I do run Canary. I actually want to dive a little deeper into that. Um, it, I definitely struggle sometimes to take work off of my mind and think about friends, family, my, my health. Uh, and I know I'm not alone in that. And I would love to hear if you have any tips or thoughts or ideas on how founders or startup employees or just anyone just that, that is listening can can do a little better at achieving some balance or blend between their work and their life. Um, I'd love to hear some tips, you know, or thoughts if you have any. Absolutely. Work-life balance is definitely um, one of my priorities right now. And um, so I, I would, I would say I spend maybe um, if I had a time breakdown, 75% um, of my time on my company, 25% um, 20 of my time um, with family and friends and the other five on, um, running an exercise, something that um, that I really love to do is run marathons around the world, and to to train for that, I do have to I do have to be disciplined and think about that every day. But one thing in marathon training, and one phrase that I think is applied to startups in general is um, we're not um, don't think about you know the next big race um, five months ahead, but rather think about um, the training that you have to get done today. And only think about that every day and slowly build up to your goals and don't be overwhelmed by the big goal in the end. Um, I think in entrepreneurship, there's a lot of hustle culture. There's a lot of, you know, success stories floating around and, you know, we're kind of rushing ourselves to, to go and obtain that. But honestly, um, I, I try to apply this running philosophy to my life too. I'm going to get the work I need to get done today. Um, and it's not going to be, usually it's not going to be as much as, um, I want some things will get in the way, um, but really just, just focus on what you have to do today. And if you do that consistently every day, then you're going to eventually reach your goal. And every day to make sure you take some time off to really um, take care of yourself and to, to be with people. So just taking, having a day-by-day -day mentality has been um, extremely helpful in that regard. I like that a lot. I'm going to use that for, my, for myself. So thank you. What would you say are some of the biggest learnings that you've had since you, you know, got involved with Canary and, you know, a lot has happened you, you've won some competitions, you, you've gotten to the, the fellowship, 
you're building a product, right? I'd love to hear uh, what have you learned on the process? And then also, what are you most excited for uh, looking forward? Uh, what, what, what's exciting to you that's on the horizon? Absolutely. Um, the biggest thing I've learned in this process and something that I'm still learning as well um, is effective communication within your team, but also um, about your um, product and about your vision to other people. Um, I would say um, maybe three quarters of my time at my startup um, um, in the position I'm in, which is the operating officer, is spent you know going out to events and really sharing the vision of Canary and um, getting people excited about it. And that sort of lends to partnerships and um, investment and interest in general, which is which is really helpful. So um, learning about how, how to succinctly communicate your um, company and your vision, but also within your team as well. Um, uh, running a running a company um, with four people that uh, you haven't you haven't known until um, you started this company um, can be difficult at, at times, and we all are very different people in terms of personality and working styles. But um, this really um, communication and being very understanding of each other and having showing empathy um, as much as you can has been um, a really great uh, learning process. I'm learning everything about teamwork. Um, and I'm excited for the future of Canary. We have some very excited partnerships coming up that um, that I can't quite announce right now, but um, there was some very big insurance companies and um, smaller uh, healthcare tech companies. So um, be on the lookout for that. But um, I think the future is bold, bright, and beautiful. Bold, bright, and beautiful. I like that a lot. <laughs> well, cool. Well, I have... One final question for you before we wrap it up. So you've been on this journey and you're, you're, you're doing the thing, right? You're on the path. And there's a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that they want to start a company, but don't know how they have a problem that they know other people have it, but they don't know how to, how to make a product out of it. Um, but, but you're kind of, you're on the path and you're doing that. So I'd love to hear some advice that you have for someone who is an aspiring entrepreneur but doesn't know how to take that first step? Absolutely, that's such an important thing. Um, I'm trying to think back to when I started this company around um, November 2018. I would say um, the best thing to do immediately when you have an idea is to get as much feedback as possible. And to get as much feedback as possible, um, you need to talk to as many people as possible. Um, right after founding Canary, I talked about it um, with everybody that I could, my family, my friends, people on the street, anyone who would really listen and sort of help me um, pick apart this idea and um, uh, improve it and as quickly and uh, as possible. And then after that, um, sort of getting that feedback um, don't be afraid to start um, applying to everything you can, reaching out to everyone you can. The process of sort of applying um, to things like to, to things that you might you might think are out of your reach, like YC and the like. Um, uh, just the process of writing everything out, um, figuring out your vision is is helpful in itself, and um, that's something we learned early on as a company too. Um, we uh, two two months after founding, we applied to YC and. We actually got an interview, and um, that was it was quite a roller coaster of a day. It was very exciting, but also very scary for us. But in the end, um, it was a great experience, and we learned a lot. So um, you never know. Just put yourself out there um, and talk and talk, talk, talk. 
And my actual final question that I forgot to ask <laughs> until just now is uh, a new question that I'm going to be, I'm going to start asking everyone, uh, everyone that I just need to get into my schedule. Um, how can we as the forward thinking founder community help you? If you had an ask of, of any type, uh, what would that ask be? And how can we, how can we help? How can we help you get you that, get you there? Oh, that's such a great question, actually. Um, I think I'm currently in a position where I feel like um, I would love to, um, inspired by your last question, actually, I would love to help as many um, people as possible. So if there's anyone really um, listening who feels inspired, um, who is really early on their journey, um, I would love for um, anyone in the forward founding community to, to reach out. I'd love to, you know, get coffee and have a chat and discuss ways in which we can we can help each other. So, um, so yeah, any requests for that? Um, I'd be totally happy to honor. Boom. I love it. If people wanted to get in touch or learn more about uh, Canary, where can they get in touch with you or learn about Canary online? Oh, absolutely. Um, you can feel free to search my name on Twitter. Um, I'm also pretty responsive on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, I think my email's on my LinkedIn as well, too. So um, feel free to do that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think what you're working on is super fascinating and I'm looking forward to seeing your 10 year and beyond vision come to fruition. So thanks for coming on forward thinking founder and uh, yeah, I just really appreciate it. Absolutely, Matt. Thank you so much for having me.